Hello and welcome to the TOVG podcast. My name is George Weedman. My friend's name is Jimmy Belikoff. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have Matt this week because he is um, he has some family obligations to take care of with his folks. Hmm. So instead, we have Pushing Up Roses, one of one of my new favorite channels, a um, a a purveyor of FMV schlock. And also cheesy adventure <laughs> games, and also adventure interesting. You like, or at least enjoy, Phantasmagoria and and Harvest, or what's is, it Harvester? is called Har- Harvester, right? Yeah, Harvester. I just yes. can't believe that that's the actual name of that game because you expect it to be something like really, really like at that nineties edgy extreme and 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 metal like Phantasmagoria, but no, it's just Harvester. I, I think that's what they were going for at the time. You know, Harvester came around. Um, well, it was supposed to come around when all the uh, video games went to Congress, when all the controversy started. And Harvester wanted to make this really edgy, really edgy point about video game violence. And then they released it like three years later and it was completely <laughs> irrelevant. Nobody gave a shit anymore. And so uh, Harvester is just... It's just really good fun. I would argue that Harvester is actually better than Phantasmagoria. That might be blasphemous <laughs> to most people, but I think it is. Right, though. I mean, in, in the race of, uh, of of quite literally, like, which game can reach the bottom of the barrel first, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think Phantasmagoria is, is more infamously remembered for being generally awful and as is Harvester, but Harvester like has some culty charm to it in a weird way. I don't know. It's it just, does. It, it does. It also seems weird to me that this game was like meant as, as a response to congressional hearings on video game violence because it's like a really super duper schlocky, shock value focused, edgy game about video game violence. But the underlying message is also that this town is crazy because they're like emulating all, all of the violence and that was there in 1950s and 60s. It's, it's just some, kind of seems like the point is like, hey, congressman, you guys might be right, I think, maybe. Right, right. Or it's just confused. <laughs> That's actually one of the... It's They're trying to make so many points in Harvester. It actually kind of gets lost. I don't know what point they're trying to make anymore. It's like they're they're making a point about, oh, these games are really exploited. They are really violent, but that's okay because, you know, we're video game developers. We're making a point here. And I, I, and then there's the subplot of the town and the 50s and 60s kind of racism. They're trying to make some kind of point, but there's so many points to be made. It just it feels like it feels like somebody just turned 18 and they're trying to be the most edgy they possibly can be oh just to defy their parents or something. And yeah. that's that's kind of what Harvester is, you know. And, and this, the un- this game sounds like uh, high school yearbook senior quotes embodied. It is. I mean, there's the school in Harvester is called Ed Gein High. Ed Gein is a notorious, for people who don't know, a notorious body snatcher. And it's like, okay, game, I get oh. it. You're trying to be edgy, you know? Oh, boy. Um, It seems also like they were walking an actual tightrope if they had released it at the time when when the government was deciding whether or not they should make a board to approve the release of video games or create something like the ESRB, which ended up happening, which was totally, I mean, fine, all things considering. But right. I, I, uh, they, 
it was like they were playing with fire, or at least they tried to, but then they found out they didn't know what they were doing and had to delay it for years. Yeah, I think if it it might have been more successful if it had come out at the time, because even in those two years that passed that it didn't get released, I mean, even technology was was heightened at that time. So now you've got an irrelevant plot, irrelevant points, and your technology is a little bit on the lower side. Uh, but now it's got a huge cult following. So there you go. It's available on, on GOG. They brought it back so people can play it for themselves if you really if you really want to. I mean, I first found out of it by YouTubing for the goriest deaths in video gaming. And <laughs> it was always in some of the top results. Jamie, have you heard of Harvester? Um, n- not outside of like literally the like three or four people that that talk about these kind of games on YouTube, like, um, like Scarfulu and, uh, lazy game reviews. Anybody who does like older PC games or weird point and clicks and stuff. That's the only people I've ever heard mention stuff like this, but I don't, I know nothing about the actual game. Oh, you should play it. I mean, everybody should play it. Everyone should just play this game right now. We'll toss that on the, on the miles high pile of games that I need (laughs) to play that are influential. But also, I've seen screens of it having adventure game puzzles, which Jimmy might love. <laughs> I don't know Maybe. if don't he know would. I don't know if I like adventure game puzzles. I like logical puzzles. I was going to say, because I've, I've talked to you about logical puzzles before. You said you like kind of Machinarium, that kind of... T- Am I even pronouncing that right? I, I always pronounce Dude, it Machinarium. Is, it, is that right? That Machinarium. That developer is just like, let's make names that no one can pronounce. Botanicula? De- Botanicula? <laughs> what, like... I can never feel comfortable saying that word or mock ma, ma, mush. I want to say machinarium. That I want to say right. machinarium. Mach I think that's right. But those are more, you know, those are more logical. The witness is an adventure game. It's more logical. Um, but if you really want moon logic, Harvester is the way to go. I mean, it's your typical inventory object. But the weird thing about Harvester is the second disc, or it might be the third disc. <laughs> this came on like 500 discs. Um, oh, great. One of the last discs was all melee. So you oh. have adventure game for the majority, point and click inventory object. And then the last disc is all action and melee. And that's where kind of the gore, the gory deaths come in. And it was awful. It was really jarring, really jarring. That's- that's super weird. It Which is part very strange. Do you think it was that caused them to delay it by two years? What the melee part? Maybe I don't know. Like it seems like they were like, "Oh shit, we have to rush this game out quickly. Let's make some really bad final levels." <laughs> but they also had so much time in the world. I maybe. Actually, I mean, maybe someone wants to do some investigative journalism on this, but they made it at a time when video games were like under scrutiny and released it three years later. Do you think there's some like interesting development cycle stuff in there where like stuff got changed or leadership got changed or something and like some random dude was in there for a bit and was like, no, we need to put some fighting in. And they were like, I I guess we'll throw it on disc three. Like, I want to know. That's interesting. That is interesting. I bet it'd be an interesting postmortem. Uh, to watch on that. Here's here's another interesting thing about Harvester. Um, the actor that you see, his voice was so bad. Apparently, they hated <laughs> the actor's voice so much that they dubbed him. So the main actor, his name is Steve. Um, the character's name is Steve. When he's talking, that's not his voice. Somebody came in and dubbed <laughs> every really? line. Yes, I and actually didn't know that. That's hilarious. It oh, is. Boy. And a, another interesting note. I'm working on a, a "Where Are They Now?" FMV actors type of a video review. Oh, Oh my god, that's a good idea. 
So I looked up I looked up the actor. He's a sex offender. I don't know where oh. I'm gonna go with this video. No, like he's on the list. You can find him oh online. God. He is a sex offender. I'm like, oh, oh, oh goody. Hey. But, yeah. I, you heard it here first, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I had I had this list of, you know, FMV actors and actresses. I looked him up first. I'm like, ooh, this is gonna go nowhere good. <laughs> Wow, is like really my response. I don't know. <laughs> so I just want to say that um, I've just been listening to you guys talk about the game the whole time without really like doing anything. And then I, in my head, when you guys said Harvester at the start, I was like, that sounds like a game where the, the front cover would be like a really like edgy picture of the Grim Reaper. And I looked it up and I can't believe that the cover of this game is a really edgy picture of the Grim Reaper. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It is, yes. It's very, tagline, very dark. The most violent adventure game of all time. So yeah. Is this like, is this like <laughs> hatred? Nineteen ninety six. That probably would have been postal. Or was I don't postal know. What, I don't know what to compare it to. I really don't know what to compare it to. I mean, it's on that level of like phantasmagoria, but then it kind of goes Mortal Kombat, you know, a little bit with the with the <laughs> melee. And I wonder, I just wonder. When uh, Mortal Kombat was under scrutiny, that actually gave them a lot of great PR, right? I mean, people were really intrigued. Yeah, yeah. Sales went up. I'm just kind of wondering if the guys at Harvester were like, yeah, we got to make that game. We got to put violence in our game because that's, you know, that's what's going to sell. Let's just shoehorn it in on a third disc and not make it an adventure game at all. Mm. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there was some inspiration there. Um, from kind of Mortal Kombat, even from Phantasmaga- Phantasmagoria, which came first. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, that's super weird. I wonder if this is just like a repeating cycle where there's always a new developer who wants to like be the edgy one of the the like generation. It was. Oh, I'm sure. It was not a simpler time. Oh, I I don't know. I I don't think it was. But Doesn't all of this just want to make you play Harvester? All of the <laughs> not really. <laughs> oh man! To be honest, I just Damn I just it. want to YouTube all the, the stupid gory deaths because that's that's always a lot of fun to do is YouTube Harvester deaths. Yeah, real they're quick, all on there. Real it's... quick though, uh, we went eleven minutes into a, chan- a tangent without uh, <laughs> that spawned off of you starting to say what pushing up roses does, right? Right, and then cut off before it even happened. So, uh, would you like to explain your channel and what you do and what you talk about? I mean, I think I think the harvester conversation pretty much seals. <laughs> like, the deal. Do, do you push roses? By now, but. Um, what I do, I do mostly uh, retro computer game reviews on my channel, pushing up roses, uh, but just retro games in general. Sometimes, sometimes new indie adventure games because that coincides with uh, my interest. But anything retro, I have a great fondness for uh, computer and Sega Genesis, um, more accurately. And yeah, comedic, subjective reviews, sometimes analytical. Like George said, I did uh, Firewatch recently. That's not a what I would call a funny review. It's more of an analytical review. Mm. Uh, basically, whatever strikes my fancy about video games, I put it on my channel. And I, actually, nice. I kind of do want to like briefly talk about your Firewatch video because I feel like, um, like, uh, like, like deep lit teacher analyses of that game or kind of more what's needed for it than traditional reviews. Because mm-hmm. I, I did a review of it that I don't think came off as positive, but you really don't, no matter how much you get what you want out of that game, it's not really built to leave you 
uh, with with a real positive feeling when when it wraps up and ends. I'm just gonna throw in a loose oh spoiler oh, warning oh, here. God damn it, that's case. right. That's a yeah, good no, idea. We can't really talk about this without spoiling can, it, can you we? You can go ahead. I I have reserved myself to probably never playing Firewatch. Um, it looks interesting, but realistically, I'm not ever gonna have the time to play it. It's so, only like four hours. I know, but I have to play Diablo three and Pokin. So. <laughs> Priorities. So yeah, I'll never have the time. I mean, gaming priorities. It's a it's a right. real thing. So um, okay. So okay. spoiler warning for listeners, and uh, I'm fine if you guys spoil it. Go ahead. Right, right. Because I'm ready to get into it. All right. So we have themes here, and one of the themes is that um, all of the characters in this game are kind of having a hard time wrapping up baggage that they left behind. That still kind of ends with all of their stories being inconclusive, which is the point. But when you're trying to review a game based off of how much you enjoyed the, the narrative of this narrative game, then then what do you do with a game that's not really, I, I guess, meant to be uh, kind of kind of enjoyed on a, on a shallow fundamental base level that uh, makes makes you have a rollicking adventure or whatever. It, I'm not I'm not doing a very good job explaining that, am I? But <laughs> I didn't really understand anything you just said. <laughs> Or Jimmy, who's just like, what is this guy even rambling about? I, I understand mean, I what you're saying. It, so. It's it's not it's not what I would categorize as a fun game. It's more of a for me, it was more of a fulfilling game. That's kind of a thing I touch on on my channel a lot too. Is I don't play uh, fun games all of the time. Uh, one of my favorite games is I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, and that's not a mm. game. That's actually taken from literature. Is um, as well. I was going to say Firewatch was. That's not taken from literature. It's a bad comparison. Never mind. But <laughs> I have no. Now, after <laughs> seeing your ta- video, we everyone can can make the connections with Jane Eyre. Right, right. I was really, really proud of that connection. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm the only one who made that connection early on, but I wanted to be the only one who got a video out at that time, like talking about Jane Eyre. This was like important <laughs> to me for some reason. I went out and bought the book in celebration. I'm like, yes, I found the Jane Eyre connection. <laughs> that's that's how dorky I am. Um, so yeah, that's kind of taken from literature. I have no mouth and I must scream is taken from literature. And these games are not... They're not they're not Mario Party. They're not meant to be fun. You know, they're almost I mean, more artistic in that sense. Implying that Mario Party has ever been fun. I don't know what I I don't know what I'm talking about there. I've <laughs> no, never I, had I, fun I, playing Mario Party. I think it's I think it's a good comparison. <laughs> it's it's really good if you want to not have friends. That's what Mario Party is. I get really angry at my friends during that game. But you know what I mean? It's 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 less fun. It's more uh, thought provoking. And mm-hmm. that's that's fine for me. I know a lot of people are very uncomfortable with games that aren't they're not making you feel like you're having a fun time. They're not making you feel happy. I am perfectly okay with that. I kind of like that catharsis and uh I think Firewatch like I said it's not it's not necessarily meant to be played to have fun with it. It's kind of meant to provoke different feelings, other fe- even feelings of frustration. And and I kind of like it about that. I really, I really, really enjoyed Firewatch. I like the characters. I think they were the most, maybe the most realistic characters I've seen in a video game in a long time. Just the voice acting was on point, and all that. I'm sorry. Now I'm rambling about about Firewatch. George, do you have more to say about Firewatch? Well, no, that's totally fine. And kind of the the problem that I have with it when I was making my content, the whole question was how do I juggle. How do I actually like fairly criticize a game 
that um, has a story whose whose topics primarily tackle these characters' expectations not really being fulfilled. They they find a creepy X Files conspiracy out in the woods and, and uncover it, and it's actually kind of a lame uh, resolution. But at the same time, the resolution is still full of of death drama and excitement and it's it's this crazy hermit who's stalking you after his son died or whatever and that 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 is a resolution to the conspiracy theory but at the same time it's kind of there's no way it's going to live up to um the the expectations it leads you towards which involve government spooks and infiltrating into the forest and setting up a secret research base but also at this, that same level, if it's about unfulfilled expectations, it feel it felt like it didn't really go the full mile. Like if they were seriously devoted to the artistry of having these characters' expectations not be fulfilled, there would have been nothing in the in the woods at all. And as it turns mm-hmm. out, there is a crazy guy stalking you. You mm-hmm. just uh, it, it expect it to be something more, and that. I feel like being disappointed by that is the point. I think but that's when the I'm point. Making yeah. A review of it, it's like, oh, this game's kind <laughs> of disappointing. But that is the point. That's the yeah. point. I mean, that's just life, right? That's just yeah. life. You're going to be disappointed. Um, sometimes your grand conspiracy theories, your grand ideas, are are nothing, and that's really depressing, right? It's like, wow, roses. You just depressed, you know, everyone by saying that. But again, it's like it's cathartic. It's cathartic in a way because that is life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not always this exciting. It's not always what you think it is. Um, I don't know if you guys played it, but Firewatch, kind of that point of making, you know, um, being disappointed. Have you guys played Emily as a way at all? No, uh, that's the the game that's based off of uh, AIM, right? Yes, it looks like you're having oh, an AIM yeah. conversation, like a chat, like an online chat conversation. <laughs> I um, got it in my I, inbox. I have seen it. Mm-hmm, I won't give I any. I won't give it. any spoilers. But talk about a game that is relating you directly to life and life's disappointments like you look (laughs) at it and you're like oh this looks cute this is nostalgic it's aim and i used to be on aim and aol and i can't wait to play this uh that's that's one of the hard-hitting ones in fact i hated that game when i first played it and then you know after thinking about it 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 was more poignant that i thought but i i can see your frustration uh too george because it's how do you review a game like that and i think that's why there are so many more analytical or just downright conspiracy theories uh, mm. on Firewatch. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I actually probably would have had more fun tackling that game if I didn't come into it wanting to do a review. Yeah. But I also yeah. have to wonder why I enjoyed other games that go for a similar feel. Like, like okay, like in Gone... Have you guys played Gone Home? Uh, I, I know what happens. Okay. I played, I played it enough. I, I liked what I played. I didn't finish it. For whatever reason, I have the most lame reason for not playing Gone Home in the oh. world. It's oh. because I looked at the screenshots and I thought it was going to be a first-person horror game, and those freak like freak me out. And so I got the wrong idea completely and never played it. And then I realized yeah. that's not what it was about at all. And then I just no. never yeah. went back. But the thing is, it that's, does kind of play out like a horror game. Yeah, to be honest, that is the the bait and switch. It, much in the same way that Firewatch uh, exudes the. Uh, the mystique of being a pulpy sci-fi paranoid adventure, which turns out to not be the case. Gone Home plays off of being a, a horror in a haunted house, which turns out to not be the case. I guess the I can't. I just don't want to spoil it now because because you guys haven't played it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I might I play it. I might play yeah. it. So don't okay, spoil it. She, all right. If, if she's going to play it, then don't spoil I it. I won't spoil it. I'll just say that I feel like the um, 
level of artistry that that they uh exuded in trying to do a like avant-garde self-aware genre defying message might have been more on point than than firewatch it just feels like the the ending of firewatch is both a cop-out and it, it soured the whole experience which you know is is the point but how do you review that yeah i kind of it reminds me of my experience with uh amnesia a machine for pigs yeah um, not sure if you've played that uh I know. I know. George has played it. I've sure only played, played a little bit, but I'm I'm fine with spoilers on that. I don't know if I'll ever play it. Uh, I just meant like trying to convey what I'm trying to say because I, I won't like spoil the ending or anything. Um, but it is like it's similar in the vein where it's like that's not a game where you have fun. That's a game where you feel bad mm-hmm. like the whole time. There, I remember there was a part very like very early in the game where you get to this like church area and. It's a very creepy setup and you expect there to be monsters and then you get into the like the like row of pews and you see like the altar at the end and it's just like a pig corpse nailed to a cross and this like creepy organ starts playing and that like that just like fucked me up for a day. I was like, wow, this is like because the whole I mean, spoilers, if you haven't played Machine for Pigs and if you want to play that like Jesus Christ, it's like three years old. But uh, that like guy you play as is the reason for all that happening and he created this like gross church of worshipping pig corpses and such and it's like you learn throughout the game that you are like a fucked up person who has done a lot of fucked up things and like that just like you don't come out of that game and be like it was a great game you go like yeah it really made me feel like shit but <laughs> it was good at doing that so I guess they did their job right Actually, that sounds really like, like something that. I would like <laughs> I'm listening to you. I'm like, hey, I could, I could get into that. That sounds interesting. It's uh, compared between the two amnesias. The Dark Descent is a much more traditional horror game. And I like it a lot better. However, A Machine for Pigs has a lot of moments that don't necessarily like they're not necessarily like, oh, you need to maneuver around monsters or stuff. It's like very simple. But the atmospheric effect is very effective. Mm. I did think the story has a good part and a lot of bad. So, I don't know. Take that with a grain of salt. Um, well, now I'm going to play it. <laughs> do we care about Dark Souls in here? I've I, never played it. I, I've seen other people play it and get extremely frustrated, and I just ain't got time for that. I, I care about it. I know what it is. <laughs> I've never played one. I've been oddly. spending... I know you're, you're going to talk about Salt yes, Sanctuary. Yeah, I am. I, yeah, I've I been spending the that. week playing... You have played that? Uh, the, at E3. I played a Oh, okay. Bit. Well, yeah, like Dark Souls and Dark Souls clones go for a kind of similar feel. They're frustrating as hell, right? But that's mm-hmm. the uh, the the very much intentional kind of. It's uh, designed to frustrate you, but still pique your curiosity enough to know what's at the end of the frustrating thing. So you end up feeling really, really good about persevering and overcoming the frustrating thing, which turns that whole concept on its head. It like starts out as being a, a dreary avant-garde depressing artistic experience and then turns into a good fun roller coaster ride but now i'm starting to think that maybe i'm going off on the wrong foot by thinking that there's that they're really mutually exclusive concepts i don't think that should really be the case i don't see why having fun has to be stigmatized somehow compared to having a dreary bad time that still gets the point across and entertains Right. right fun fun can be a very 
I mean, obviously, it's a very subjective thing. That's why a lot of reviewers don't talk about fun because it's like <laughs> it's like the most obvious thing that is impossible to convey to another human. Like you can't be like you'll have fun because mm-hmm. no, like that's I don't know. Cause... I think that's like the most one of the most difficult things to like confirm to somebody is that they're going to have a fun time. I had like, the time of my life playing Salt and Sanctuary the past week. It's, it's like 2D goth souls and it's dreary and, and grimdark and and really frustrating and, and there's piles of gore and corpses everywhere. But oh my god, I was having the time of my life figuring mm-hmm. out what was on the other side of all this incredibly dark, depressing shit. Right. And there's, you know, there's enough people, there's enough gamers, there's enough of, of an audience for all those different kind of games. I don't know why people are arguing that video games have to be a certain way. There are so oh many gosh. games. There are so many people. There's always going to be, you know, an audience. And in fact, when I when I put up my I have no mouth and I'm a scream video, people, a few people, very few people uh, were angry saying this is not a video game because it's not fun. Quote, fun, quote, fun, oh, of, course. of course, in the traditional sense. It's not a video game because video games are not artistic in that sense. And these are people who um, are 12. Yeah, who are 12 <laughs> or just, I don't know, small minded. I don't know. I think there's always an audience. You know, I like I have no mouth and I must scream. I also like, you know, Sega Genesis side scrollers and, and Mario games and people have their preferences. And that's OK. Let people have their games, you know, let I people mean, have their dark games and their light games. It's literally like, like if someone was to get a ridiculous, like one of those crazy, like, like hundred inch screen TVs or something. It's literally the people commenting on that. That's like, well, that's not what I want. So right. why does it exist? It's like it doesn't fucking matter. Someone else wants it. Like, like someone making uh, her story or Gone Home or Dear Esther has not affected the development of. Dark Souls or Super Mario 3D World or whatever other game like unless it was one single developer that was the only game developer in the world then I think you could justifiably complain (laughs) about it. Other than that it's like this isn't stopping other games that appeal to you from being made and it's appealing to people who might want it. I don't know. People are talking like uh, like video games are just going out of style or disappearing or we don't have enough because this one genre is going to overtake the other genre. And it's like, no, that's not it's not happening like at all. There's so many games to choose from. Don't act like there's not. You know, there's so many things that you can have fun with. I think it's like, oh, sorry. It's just a constant audience thing these days when like, okay, they're rebooting Ghostbusters or just announced today or confirmed today that there's like a season two and three of Fooly Cooly that are going to be coming out. And it's like one thing doesn't like take away the quality of an already existing thing. Uh, like the, the, st- whole, the whole you shit on my childhood thing, because yeah. people can retroactively just shit on your childhood, apparently. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Is are you is it really that frail to where someone like the Star Wars prequels ruined your experience of the originals because it didn't ruin mine i still absolutely love the originals that didn't break that and like the new ghostbusters isn't going to break what i liked about the old ghostbusters and games that aren't quote-unquote fun don't change my opinion of games that are fun or ruin my life in any way i don't know it's really pretentious it is i suppose if like you said if there was only like 
one comedic video game and the rest was just all this really dark, profound artistic stuff. Maybe people could complain, but that's just that's just not the case. You know, there's just so much to choose mm. from. So, yeah, I don't I don't like it when people do that either. Yeah, it's selfish is what it is. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, what games have we been playing this week? Uh, why don't, why don't you go first? Oh. Not, not, I'm, do I, do you want to be called Pushing Up Roses? Roses? Roses or? is fine. Roses. Yeah. Okay. Pushing Up Roses I, is a little, a little long. It's a bit long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, most people just call me Roses. Okay, why don't you go first? You want me because, to go first? Let's well, hear it. we're already 30 minutes in without having talked about games we played, so... Let's but get but it was still before. pretty fucking awesome anyway. <laughs> it was good, talking it was about good conversation. Because uh, I am willing to tell you what I've been playing. Let's hear what it. Been playing? I've been playing Stardew Valley for the last yes. oh, like two weeks. And oh, uh, I, I came into this. I've never played a game like this before. I've never played Harvest Moon. I've never played Minecraft, not Terraria, not Magicite. It is the first of its genre that I have personally picked up. And I did it because um, a couple of our colleagues were talking about it uh, just online on Twitter, and a couple of people said it was really good for anxiety and depression. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll pick, I'll pick it up. And now I'm obsessed. I can't. <laughs> I played the game right before this podcast. I'm like, oh, how much can I do in Stardew Valley? How's my farm doing? It has some deep, deep hooks. That game. <laughs> yeah, been hearing nothing but good things. Also. Everybody that I follow has been streaming it. Like, if I if I want to watch Stardew Valley at any time, there is always a person that I know personally who is streaming it. It's crazy. No, it's huge. It's huge right now. I, I can't I, I can't even believe I like it as much as I do. Because like I said, I, I've never played a game like this. I, well, hmm. with the exception of maybe The Sims. Um, it's kind of like grinding the game, and that's kind mm -hmm. of how I play The Sims. I don't play The Sims to have like a fantastic life. I grind like the whole right. time. That's how I play <laughs> it, and that's kind of how I'm playing Stardew as well. And another real, you'll probably notice this in the community too. It's highly moddable if mm -hmm. you have a very basic understanding of code. You can go right into the save file and do whatever you want. I can't even right. tell you how many times I've maybe cheated a little bit <laughs> you know maybe duplicate a puffer fish here and there those are hard to catch or move my buildings without demolishing them it's actually i want to say if you want to learn coding i would say look at look at stardew valley's code uh that was coded in c sharp so it's actually it's really good for a lot of things it's good for modding it's good for learning developed by one developer that's amazing yeah um i i played it so much this might be tmi but I played it so much, my butt started to hurt. Like, my glutes, Great. they just... Uh, dude, <laughs> I needed, like, a pillow. for. <laughs> and even with my butt hurting, I still didn't stop. I'm like, no, I have to keep going. God, I I have a, a few friends in, like, a couple of Discord chats that are, like... Usually the chat is like, oh, like how's everyone's day doing? Like, what's going on and stuff? And then it turns to Stardew Valley, and I just have to, like, minimize out because <laughs> I, I, I understand nothing, and the chat goes on for hours. They sink hours and hours every day, and it's pretty crazy. Um, it's really interesting, though, that you mention like it's grinding the game, but you find it enjoyable. I was yes. actually thinking about that recently because I've been playing a lot of Diablo three with a friend. Which is after a certain point, it's grinding the game as well. Like you just you do the same thing over and over until you get a slightly better piece of armor that you already have, <laughs> and then you could go slightly higher difficulty. And 
I, I tweeted about it a little bit. I don't know if I want to make a video, but I kind of my theory, at least why it appeals to me, is that in like most of the people that I know that play these kind of like grindy games, they have like an art job or a creative job similar to how ours are. Like we work on YouTube, we work on videos or whatnot. And I don't know, there's like a certain sense of instability in YouTube work or in online work, or especially in freelancing where you don't know when your next job's going to come about and you're always like looking for more jobs and stuff and playing a grindy game where there's, you know, the win state and the fail state and you could just like have this very stable loop of like, I do the right thing. I get my level ups and my gold or whatnot, and then I get a little bit better and I move towards a distant goal that like exponentially gets farther away. It's like this weird sense of stability, this weird sense of like, I don't know, adult emotions where you're like, yeah, I feel stable and I feel like I'm doing the right thing. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like that's part of the appeal. Oh, that- I, I agree. So, so is the end goal fiscal responsibility and being able to pay for your own health insurance? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm it just, depends on how like you play it. For retirement. <laughs> like Stardew is one of those games where you don't have to play it the same way other people are playing it. You know, right. like a lot of people are making these really grand farms and mm-hmm. I don't have a grand farm. My farm looks like shit. Like I, uh, Lukagen, uh recently posted a picture of her farm and I like died a little inside. I'm like, oh, my farm looks so bad, but I'm not focusing on the farming as much as I'm I'm choosing to live my life in Stardew as like a miner. Like I'll mm-hmm. go to the mines and collect gems and craft things out of the gems and I'll still take care of my farm. But whatever, my animals hate me because I neglect them <laughs> because I'm too busy <laughs> in the farm. Um, so you can play Stardew kind of any way you want, but no matter how you play it, you are going to get that catharsis of like, I'm doing this thing. It's, it's this finite thing that I know if I do right, I'm going to get this for it. Uh, kind of like the Sims, I guess, if you play the Sims in a way that's also, also grinding and it's just relaxing too. I, I, I don't know why it is because mm. I, I simultaneously feel anxious about doing the right things and Stardew, but relaxed at the same time. <laughs> I have no idea how that works, but it does. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I want to eventually. How badly do I need to? Um, well, do you want to end up like me, <laughs> a really sad person who's I just love like playing Stardew for two weeks? from playing too many video games. It's like the you greatest feeling in the world for me. Yeah, I had it happen twice for Salt and Sanctuary this week. Well, it's then you need to buy feeling. this game. Because that's how you know. That's the test. The sore butt test <laughs> is how you know if the game is like good enough to be hooking you that long or not. It's It's a reassuring feeling, really. Also good test to know if you need a new chair i was just gonna say that i'm like it's also <laughs> testing your chair like if your butt hurts that bad maybe your chair is not the best chair you in the should world. do what lgr did and have request a review copy of a 600 dollars super chair oh my gosh seriously <laughs> honestly honestly that's that's what i should just that's what we should all do with all tech requirements from now on like i really need to review Three new monitors, a uh, <laughs> Razer mouse, new keyboard. New microphone, maybe, of expensive quality. <laughs> but I love how, like, chairs 
Matt Matt did this too. He reviewed a gaming chair that uh, they sent to him. Oh, really? Him. Yeah, it's it's a shame he can't be here to to defend himself. But yeah, no, like <laughs> him and LGR have legitimately done this thing where they review chairs, and I love it because it's chairs true. are like. They're so outside the spectrum of video games, but still market themselves as part of that. It, it really is like kind of a, cer- a certain t- kind of consumer consumer culture. Like like you see yeah. video game branded mice and keyboards, which yeah. make more sense mm-hmm. than chairs. And but monitors. You, the fact that there are video game brand chairs, there's Mountain Dew Gamer Fuel exists. I wonder if we could request <laughs> review copies of that. I mean, LGR doesn't even request them. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. He's At he's one of my point, best people friends. Are, people are just like, please take our thing and say anything about <laughs> yes. it. And then, yeah. Even I don't know if, if he just has insane luck. Every time I'm talking to him, he's just like, oh, they just, they, this company gave me this thing to review for free. I'm like, what? That like never happens to me. Like, what are you <laughs> oh. doing that they're giving you all this stuff like, that to reminds review? Me. I got a code for Enter the Gungeon. And uh, yeah, yeah, Jimmy was talking about that way, way back when they showed it off at E3, and I'm really, really excited to try it out with the pun guns. Uh, (laughs) The pun, (laughs) really, dude? There's a gun in that game that is a wooden barrel attached to attached to like a pistol handle. Okay, and when you shoot it, fish come out because you're (laughs) shooting fish in a barrel, and it's the best thing. Oh, Oh, I love that. That's brilliant. Does it shoot out other puns as well? I mean, there are other guns that are like literally like based off of a pun phrase, so there and they just like reverse engineered guns. it. Yes, oh my that's why God. I said it's the game with the pun guns. There's a lot of them, and it's great, and it's also there's really something for everyone. I mean, I want to play it because it's kind of like a shmup, and and <laughs> it's got it's got too. something for for Jimmy. It's got the puns. It's got great pixel art. I'm really know, looking forward like, to uh, that's like. The cringy phrase these days, right? Good pixel art, but like, I wish I could just like teach people a course on like the difference between pixel art and pixel art that is amazing because there is some pixel art out there that's like, no, this is not trying to be 16 bit retro. This is just pixels used as a medium because 16 bit retro couldn't have this color scheme or like like this amount of colors, and they make it look fucking amazing. That sounds like a potential video subject. Yeah. Maybe. For all those videos I always make. Um, so What's the year? Uh, I, ironically, Jimmy also, I think, has talked the least about the games they've played this week. Uh, we still can squeeze it in, right, Jimmy? Yeah, I'll be, well, I'll be as quick as I can. I have... I have many good things to say about Pokemon Tournament, yo. Funny thing, in uh, my tabs just now during the podcast, it's been a little hard to concentrate, I apologize, but that's only because I've been reading news stories about how in Pokemon Tournament, Blaziken's model has his ruffled feathers <sighs> around his crotch look like a big old dick. Well, uh. they don't actually. It's like... I don't know, man. Look, I'm, look, I'm look scrolling like the through these images. in 3D, like... There you I don't go. Know. It's even I, even I in the sprite the artwork. I saw it. I got to look at this. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, wow. It's a ruffle of feathers. It's a poor choice to put it in that shape in the game. Because <laughs> like if you look at Lucario's fur, that's like around his like yellowy fur that's around his head or his neck. I mean, like it looks like fur, but the tufts of feathers on Blaziken's crotch area <laughs> do look way too. Uh, Alec. 
phallic, yes. I guess. And I'm remember, um, remembering how I got here. It was from someone's Twitter. They posted an image of an Amazon and, review. <laughs> yeah, the Amazon review, and some mom was like, this game has dicks in it. And oh, I, no. Re- I refuse to give Nintendo my money. So, like, okay, besides having switch. big red anyway, furry dicks, why else do you like Pokemon Tournament? Because it's a fucking awesome fighting game, and it's like what everybody who has ever played Pokemon has been wanting for since Gen 1, when they're like, man, imagine if I could just put all the moves on buttons and run around. Like, this is that. This is that game. And it's really fun. And so far, I know it's like a week old, but uh, there doesn't seem to be any one character that's like the Dan of this game. The like... The joke. The joke that no one's going to take seriously if you pick them. It seems like every character has a lot of strengths and weaknesses. Uh, Every matchup seems pretty balanced i'd say maybe a couple lean but like like it seems like no character is going to be like don't pick that character you pick who you want which is great i mean that's definitely been pokemon's message since day one is use your favorites um unless it's magikarp i mean that dude you want to talk about magikarp so i can't really convey this without linking the actual song Maybe I'll put it. <laughs> maybe I'll put it in the break for like a minute. Let the song play, um, and I'll, I'll show you guys the song when when we break as well. Uh, so there's a stage in Pokin called the Magikarp Festival, and I think it takes place on like a big boat or something. But uh, the whole thing is like I guess there's just like Magikarps that are background images essentially that like fly across the stage the whole time. It's like a it's like a salmon run, like a real life salmon run where like salmon are like jumping up the river and it's all crazy but it's magikarps and they're flying everywhere and it's really funny but that song in that stage goes harder than any song i've ever heard in a video game it goes (laughs) so goddamn hard like you remember the dmc reboot soundtrack (laughs) i kind of do the one by like drum and bass artists and death metal bands like it goes harder (laughs) than that and it's magikarps theme song and it's fucking amazing um so, okay, so I, said, I said I'd be quick, and I'm already ranting. Uh, so has, I guess quick thoughts. Some some really really aggressive beats for his theme oh, song. You you really don't even know. Wow. Like I said, it'll oh, play okay. during the break okay, for Pokemon. everyone listening. I'll play you uh, like a minute long or two minute long clip. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's like a bounce fighter. Uh, if you don't know the mechanics, it's really cool. So it does this like there's this field phase, and then all the stages are shaped like circles or ovals, and so you kind of run around like in like the the DBZ budokai games or like the naruto clash of ninja like where it's like that 3d field and you kind of run around you can shoot projectiles and there's a lot of different moves and then a certain type of damage or hits you shift into dual phase which is like more like street fighter or mortal Kombat, where it's just like 2d side to side and some of your moves change a little bit and the interactions change and it's really cool uh, the dynamic of like shifting back and forth between the phases and like because some characters do better in field, some do characters do better in duel, and ah, man, I'm just super hyped right now because I went to a, a tournament last night and it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I just I had a lot of fun. I placed 17th, which out of 46 people. That's not, not bad out of 46 people. Yeah, um, I I got absolutely crushed by some amazing Charizard, but my match that knocked me out of losers, I I did. It was like super tense and one of the matches came down to i had one health left and i was like ducking and dodging my best and i ended up winning that one but oh wow yeah, <laughs> Holy yeah it's, shit. 
there's no chip damage kills and there's no support skill kills. So if you can stay in your shield and block things, like you'll never go below one damage until they actually hit you or grab you. Um, I mean, I don't want to go on for too long, but the mechanics are, are really solid. Uh, I think they're very interesting. It's a very good fighting game for people who don't play fighting games to get into. It's it's easy to easy to understand how to use your character, hard to apply it. So it's got a skill ceiling, but also a good learning curve. How about um, like, see, I've never played a single Pokemon game, uh, uh-huh. of course, but I, of course I know what Pokemon is because you can't be on the internet or in the gaming right. community without obviously hearing about it. Would you say, but I'm a huge fighting game person, uh, mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat's one of my favorite franchises. Would you say that this game is also good for non-Pokemon fans, but for fighting game fans. Yes, I definitely would. Um, Actually, so I didn't know this, but the tournament that I went to, um, it's at a place called Santa Ana Esports Arena, which I didn't know was very close to where I live, but they do the Wednesday night fight streams on Twitch that gets like front-paged on Twitch every week. And so there's apparently a lot of Southern California big-name fighters that go there, uh, in the tournament that I was in, there was Chris G, who's a big time fighting game guy, like famous, I believe, uh, Christian Win or some, some, there was like essentially three guys who were professional fighting game players that play other games that were just having, like they were in the tournament and they were playing with like fighting game fundamentals only and no knowledge of matchups or how to use the people they were using. And they were doing good, and they were like, they seemed like they were having a really good time. So, if you know fighting games, and if you like fighting games, you don't have to like Pokemon to get into this game. I think it's pretty unique, and I think it's uh, it's going to be... We'll see how it, how it ends up after Evo, because it's going to be at Evo, but I think this game has potential to like stick around for a while. Nice, nice. Good sell, would, good sell. <laughs> yeah, I, I would recommend at least giving it a shot. Yeah, I, I kind of really, really liked your story of winning a match with one health left just by strategic blocking and, and uh, dodging. I feel like that's what really makes the difference. Like see, experiencing a moment like that is oh, usually God. the part that like brings a game into a whole nother level of, there was, of appreciation. Uh, that that match that I won, or I guess round, uh, there was in that two out of three, I... One one with one health, which was hype. And just after that, uh, so that my opponent was playing Gengar, and Gengar's essentially his super is one of the like the scariest in the game. It's an unblockable grab. So if you're close to him and he uses it, he gets he'll like half health bar you with it. It's really really rough. Um, and he used it, and I pretty much like I, I like dropped the controller, and I was like, it's fucking over. Like this this is where I lose the set. But I, I like, you know, regain composure and like hit some buttons just in case. And I ended up doing this heavy attack overhead and I stuffed his super and it didn't come out and I won the match. And I was like, <laughs> my this guy that I met there that was like me and him were giving each other tips the whole night. Me and him like screamed. That sounds <laughs> it amazing. It was it was super hype. And uh, yeah, I'm planning on going to more more tournaments. I want to like get good. I'm going to go to Evo later this year. So I figured I might as well enter. Um but yeah, I rambled for like 10 minutes when I said I'd keep it short. Sorry. That's totally fine, though, because you got it out of your system. And actually, I really, really want to play Pokémon now and, and give it a chance. Um, uh, big, biggest downside, I will say, real quick. Uh, two player next to each other 
if you play on one Wii U, it drops it to 30 frames per second because you need to use the gamepad as the other camera angle for your character while the other person uses the TV and a pro controller. Um, you need to LAN connect to Wii U's to play at 60 frames per second. So that meant that at this gaming center you went to, they had there to... There was eight Wii U's hooked up back-to-back -back oh. for four setups total. Oh, it great. was uh, quality. Yeah, the tournament went until four in the morning, so... <laughs> that still sounds like a lot of fun, and, and I'm actually kind of excited now. I, I'm sure I'll have an opportunity to play it at some point. But until then, we got to get into the news. We're uh, we're 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 stretching our time out here, but yeah, we're gonna we're go on a really quick bathroom long. break and then hopefully knock it out super quick. Um, yeah. So yeah. And here's that here's that song. It goes hard. Be careful. Welcome. We are back into it, into the news after like 40 minutes, 10 of which were spent talking about Harvester. Fun fact, while we were on the break coming back, <laughs> we ended up talking about Harvester again. <laughs> but, it was my fault. I brought it back up. But I love talking about Harvester. I can't talk about enough people with Harvester. I can't talk about Harvester with enough people. Anyways, whatever. Harvester's back then. Uh, right now, we got to talk about how Game Trailers' former staffers have formed a new channel called Easy Allies. They are Patreon funding a um, channel for, for streaming and reviews. I guess that means YouTube channel. I'm wondering if they're on YouTube, actually. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what's what's on this link. Yep, Holy YouTube channel. Oh, oh, what's that? What's that? I assume Have you're you looking at the Patreon, Patreon page. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, last time I checked, they were at 31K a month. Yeah, 31K. Really? Because when I checked, it was like 33. Is that what you're seeing, Jimmy? Uh, I'm seeing... I'm seeing right in between. I'm seeing 31.7, so okay. about 32. But wow, good on them. Yeah. Good. Earlier today, it was 31K. That um, adds up to about 2.6 a month per each. I hope Five, that all these people funding eight. them now stick with them because all I hear is great things about Game Trailers content, and I don't. 
I want these guys to continue making good stuff. Yeah, nine of them are are going off and forming this. My favorite's Kyle Bossman. He's um with them too. I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of stuff he comes out with. And mm. uh, yeah, I think this they're also going to be selling merchandise. But I think this is also like a good example of why and how old media vanguards are are transitioning into new ones or how crowdfunding is is a very good equalizing force because um they were formerly with game trailers funded by by spike who mm. i think got bought out <clears throat> for some weird investment firm no one really knows about mm. who decided they don't want to pay however much they needed to pay to keep these guys paid but hey as it turns out the fans do yeah and so the world goes on and everything turns out fine, I guess, I hope. They're selling well, yeah, the, we'll, we'll see in like a couple months. Yeah, they're saying that they can't do it full time as of yet, but I don't know. I mean, 31K between eight, nine people is actually pretty all right if they want to want to live in, in like kind of modest way. I don't know. Well, uh, do, do you know where I Game mean, Trailers was headquartered? Uh, no, I don't. But I mean, factor in tax, factor in Patreon fees, factor in... Uh, uh, decline cards and stuff. That that number is not going to be thirty one thousand dollars directly into pocket. Not also, directly. No. I mean Patreon. They they recently they don't take uh, declines into account anymore. Like the number you're seeing on my Patreon is is pretty accurate, but that's not without taxes. Taxes right. is going to yeah, kill yeah. you. Yeah, you know, which is yeah, also yeah. funny because it's March and we have no, like one more month. Don't say deadline. that. I know. Don't I just did me. mine and I hated it. But anyway, I can't do it. I'm. I'm a, a blessed man to have an accountant as my father-in-law. So being what? self-employed <laughs> is the worst thing ever because taxes are just like no, you have to pay four times as much. Yeah. Also, also blessed to have a wife that has a normal job, so we still get a tax return. God damn it! <laughs> really? Fuck you. <laughs> Anyways, um, best of both worlds. <laughs> but yeah, oh, 31k between nine people. I guess if they're in California, that would still be pretty hard to squeeze. But whatever, they still are making stuff and the money. We'll we'll see in a couple months, right? But good on them. Good on them. I, yeah. I think. yeah, definitely. That's a Great successful job. Patreon campaign if I ever saw one. So yeah, I mean, it seems like. The bigger ones, like uh, Jim Sterling or, you know, other ones with a similarly large amount, seem to have consistent uh, payouts, I guess is the word. Consistent donors or patrons. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I've heard nothing but good about these guys. I just I hope that this isn't like a surge that drops by 50 percent next month or something, because I have seen that happen. And that's unfortunate always. Yeah, and it's going to happen, uh, especially mm -hmm. after the first payments go through. I know with mm -hmm. mine, it, it was fluctuating like crazy. Um, I think with Patreon, like if you really want to keep your people, you've got to switch up the rewards. You can't do the same stuff like over and over because eventually if you switch things up, you're going to pique other people's interest. Uh, but I, I started mine. I got a lot. Then it dropped. Then I changed it. Then it went up. And then it kind of dropped, but it, it is continually inclining, though. So I think you know, a you know, a slow incline. But I think you know, these guys will also continue to probably incline in the long run. I mean, uh, the other major thing, obviously, can't just be rewards. Is just making the stuff that people are giving you money that they like. Oh for. yeah, oh yeah, if that definitely. Could be set, could be structured any worse. I, I please tweet at me a worse way to say that sentence. <laughs> um, <laughs> But what I'm saying is, like, I, I don't make many videos, even though I do have uh, a Patreon, and I always, like, I look at it and I'm like, I need to get a, another video because, you know, people 
reason that they're patrons is because they like the stuff I make. Right. Not necessarily for the rewards, but primarily because they're like, I like the videos you make. Please make more. And I'm like, yes, I will do that. Yeah. I mean, the ro- so, the rewards yeah. can definitely be a big incentive for higher amounts yes. of money for sure. But yeah, if you're not doing if you're not doing the work in general, your patrons are not going to stay. They don't have a reason to. Right. And I mean, that's completely fair. Uh, oh, yeah. It's also simple. But what I'm saying is like your your incline is probably due to the fact that you do make a lot of consistent content. You're putting out stuff weekly. It's also so. simple and easy to understand and means that their money isn't coming from this complicated, shadowy, not very well published partnership between mega corporations who can just pull the yeah. switch whenever they want. Right. I never like I I guess I understand that people see Patreon. There's like a stigma behind crowdfunding, but I don't know if I feel like you can't complain about people selling out if you complain about crowdfunding because it's like in both cases it's like okay if you don't want me to sell out like ad revenue is not enough to live on for i'd say most youtubers right so if you don't want me to sell out patreon ensures that i don't have to take you know brand deals or as george said shady corporate stuff like that Shadows of Mordor deal or, you know, stuff <laughs> along those lines. Audible. I don't even consider it selling out in, at all. Um, I, I, mean, always, I always looked at selling out as kind of doing something you don't want to do to make oh, the yeah. money. I um, mean, I totally agree. Yes. Yeah. So for, yeah, I don't, I don't understand those people. Any complaints I've ever gotten about Patreon and th- I'm very lucky as there's been very few. I'm very loyal to my patrons, but it's all been out of jealousy, honestly. But oh. the thing with Patreon is, is you're, you are choosing to support someone. You don't have to do this. Nobody has right. to support anyone if yeah. they don't I, want to. You know, it's all up to, it's all up to the people. It's all up to the fans to decide what they think you are worth. Yeah, I really I, uh, need to start one. You don't? <laughs> have, oh, you don't have one? No, I've been. I will uh, support you on Patreon if you start one. Oh, thanks. I've been, I've been making most of my money from from Audible sponsorships in the videos. I mean, here's the thing. When I said selling out in that context, I meant what people view selling out right. as, which is taking any money, even if you actually do support thing. I would take money from Audible because Audible is a good service. Yeah. I would take money from Crutcheroll because Crutcheroll is a good service. I wouldn't get paid to say that I like... I don't know. I wouldn't get paid to be like, drink Pepsi. It's very healthy. Mountain Dew. <laughs> I don't actually believe that. <laughs> right. If I did take money to say that Pepsi was healthy, that would be selling out because it's a thing that I don't actually believe. That would be so amazing if somebody believed that, like for real. God. I mean, that's how they fucking market you know, their diet. One day stuff. soon, you might find yourself saying Batman is a super serious thing for adults only, and it this might actually be true. This is a segue. Because the new Telltale <laughs> Batman game is supposedly going to be aiming for an M rating. Uh, Believe it or not. Yeah, no. What Do you guys not remember? Do you guys not care? This is weird, you guys. Do you, you think it's weird? Because I think Batman is like the perfect, like, dark character to just go there into, like, I, really I adult know, content. But when I, was, I agree. Oh. I just don't care about Telltale at this point. They're Sorry. supposedly updating their engine to have uh, uh, better graphics. And, and hopefully, I think they also need to change something with their dialogue system going on. Characters have a lot of quiet time in between their lines that, mm. that is starting to come off more and more awkward the uh, further down history we go through their library. Mm. But no, anyways, Telltale Batman's going to be M-rated. I think um, Arkham Knight was, was M-rated as well. Or was that Arkham Origins? Yeah. 
Uh, Knight. Okay, Knight okay. Did you guys play Arkham Knight by chance? No, I play good <laughs> games. I... <laughs> Wow. Um, I haven't, I have not, which is very interesting uh, because my partner actually works for WB Games. So I have all the games from WB. Oh. He works for NetherRealm, which is under WB. So we have a lot of Mortal Kombat stuff and a lot of Batman stuff and nice. like every Harry Potter movie ever made. <laughs> um, but <laughs> despite having all the games just sitting there, I haven't played them. I think that's why I haven't played them because it was given to me like i can't play this this was given to me i have to like i have to discover it on my own to want to play it so but i do i I do know that those uh that arkham knight was a more would you say a darker game more mature content do do you know specifically what might have pushed it over to the m it was from what i know of the game it's darker in the sense that twilight princess is darker than ocarina of time Mm. so it's like the edgy teen darker not necessarily actually darker it's okay so in in city uh, yeah, i can't I think discuss you're still it without gonna have spoilers. to explain it there's uh night is very tryhard as far as i hear the the m rating come from but like i mean the biggest complaint that everyone gives is that like the gameplay was not good but i don't know i've not heard anything positive about the story either mm. So I'm I'm just not gonna get I'm not gonna get into it. I haven't played it, but a lot of my hearsay from people that I trust opinions on is among that. Killing it with these sentences today. <laughs> I I can imagine a sort of situation where all of a sudden it's the same game as the previous one, but the uh, goon villains just start swearing up and down in the middle of of of, <laughs> of a fight for for no reason, and they want to chase after the game. Do you remember when Prince of Persia? transitioned from t to m and how how weird that was how they no. had a, a prince of persia warrior within had the soundtrack commissioned by god smack <laughs> you guys that don't real? remember that yeah that's, that's amazing real. i've I, never heard of that i didn't know that either i had no idea it was around like 2003 too so it was it was when this uh like emo electro phase of of music started to be coming out and that was a very 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 publicly lampooned installment in the franchise Um, i wonder if that's how people are going to look back on on far cry 3 with its skrillex songs in it (laughs) maybe it's just recently uh the most recent mortal Kombat, i believe had depeche mode oh really yeah yeah that actually makes sense though that sounds cute That sounds cute. That doesn't sound I like, like tryhard and edgy. Mortal Kombat can't even be tryhard and edgy because their starting point was the tryhardest, edgiest thing ever. <laughs> That's true. You yeah. can't really. You can only go down from there. And uh, Quake was uh, Trent Reznor when uh, Which they was did awesome. Quake. That's that, awesome I, too. I find that I find that much more sensible. Actually, uh, and then God Call of Duty Black Ops Two or was it Advanced Warfare? Was also Trent Reznor. Advanced <laughs> the real Warfare question is: Is it is it ever is sensible to have Godsmack? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out. That's a really weird pick. That's a weird one. Yeah. Well, when have okay, they? I I'm, mean, they're not even relevant. There's no, there's no telling. I'm sorry, if, I'm sorry, Godsmack fans out I mean, there. The, the thing is, is that there's no telling if the Telltale Batman's going to be M-rated because maybe oh, a right. sort of it is Batman, right? That is what we're talking about. Also, at the very, very beginning of this topic, Roses was talking about how that kind of makes more sense than than other franchises. Explain yourself. Well, explain yourself how it makes more sense than Game of Thrones. 
As in, as in, it makes sense for Batman to be mature. Wait, the Game or of Thrones is rated so M, isn't it? It's got to be. Oh, is it? Game of Thrones Telltale. I'm gonna look it up. Anyways, I just meantime, assumed this was their first rated M game because that's what we were talking about. Explain, explain why, explain why, why it makes it's okay sense, yeah. for Batman games to be rated M. <laughs> Is this are, is this an interrogation? This feels You're very strange. Explain yourself. <laughs> uh, it's a presidential um, I, debate. <laughs> <laughs> we will make video games better again. No, I um oh, no. I don't know. I I feel just uh, when you're doing an adventure game kind of mechanic, I think you have more, um, you're less limited when you are able to do more mature content, when you're able to do more mature subject matter. Um, so I think the story can go in maybe a more serious kind of darker mode. Uh, it's not that I necessarily think that that just makes sense for Batman specifically. I think it makes sense for adventure games. And I think you can do that with any kind of character. You can evolve a character to be a little darker, darker. You can expand on their stories a little bit more if you have less limitations on, you know, whether uh, what the rating is. Right. So that's, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and I think the difference is is how well they use the rating. Like like having ha- having having goons just just swear up and down is is right. going to be like a cheesy cop out. But having the GTA way to get an M rating, a, uh, villains with with super gritty, real ass adult background stories would probably be a better way. But I think also one of the things that that we kind of all know is that the M rating is not synonymous with adult. Right. Yeah. Very, very rarely is that ever the case, as 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 seen with Prince of Persia Warrior within. <laughs> yeah, because because Batman himself is is always like a hokey, uh, pure fantasy superhero type character. They never uh, really really have him be all all, all grim dark. Hmm. Do they? I don't know. I, mean, I don't read the comics. Well, I'm yeah, speaking see, from the animated series. There and are. The I'm not going to get into the comics because I don't read comics either. However, I know several people that will turn around and say, "No, George, you're fucking yeah, wrong." Because I've also of X heard person's comic about how nasty <laughs> the comics started getting around the '90s, which is where a lot of the justification for the like M rating and, and the darker, super hard PG-13s of the um, Christopher Nolan movies are coming from, is because the Killing Joke. Was was the comic that made oh, that transition yeah. back in the nineties? Right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Wasn't uh the Wolf Among Us rated M? Yeah. Oh, and and of course, Walking Dead was. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. it no would way have they to could be. Walk around that one. Do you think that was pushed over the top by the uh, the glass him moment? Glass him. What was? You what, remember that? No, what's refresh me? Uh, I, I was making a referential joke. Apparently, no. It sounds really super familiar, but <laughs> I'm just uh, completely scene, lost. So. <laughs> there's a in the Wolf Among Us. There's a bar scene where you're talking to some big dude. I don't know. I haven't played the game. I just watched it because it's very funny, uh, and it's it, it's become a meme because the dialogue system. This guy is like talking about his troubles and like problems, and he's like, "I could really do with another drink," you know. And it just kind of ends on this somber note. And you have an option that says like glass him or something or glass him yeah and most people took it as get him a drink like give him another glass (laughs) but instead you pick up your glass and smash it into his face and get on top of him on the floor like to beat the shit out of him and everybody was like really mad that (laughs) their decision to like help this guy turned into like completely the opposite wow that's (laughs) that's actually pretty funny 
I don't yeah. remember that because I didn't pick that option anyways. <laughs> uh, next up, we got ooh, lots of Nintendo news. Um, there was a oh, yeah. report from the Japanese business publication Nikai that Nintendo will be ceasing their Wii U production at the end of the year, which they have since denied. Um, yeah. The the official translation from Google of that Nikai report says Nintendo is also terminated by the end of the year. The production of non-portable game machine Wii U mainstay. Mm. A real translation from someone who actually speaks Jap- Japanese and read it and posted about it on Twitter just said that Nakai just reports that Nintendo will stop producing Wii U within 2016. It doesn't say they will necessarily start selling NX in 2016. Yeah. These are rumors, actually, that Nintendo... Well, not rumors, actually. They, they officially denied these rumors. Sorry, I mm. got it uh, backwards a bit. But... How did the rumor start in the first place? Like, where is the origin of that rumor? Yeah, I suppose a reporter at Nikai had a source who yeah. told them. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I have long been quoting this number, but I don't think that the Wii U is going to stop just yet because it's only four years into its life cycle, which is the shortest of any Nintendo console. The average is six. So, like, I think we'll get the Wii U at least next year, like, continued support. And I just assume that they're going to release the NX and have continued support for the Wii U as well, because I think that at this point we're going to get a dual launch of Zelda U as, like, a, what they did with Twilight Princess, where it was on the Wii and the GameCube. They're going to do it on the Wii U and the NX, but maybe that's yeah. just me. I don't know. It seems like they're going for that. Um, another Japanese website, IT Media NetLab spoke with Nintendo after the Nakai report, and that's where the denials come from. The thing is is that Nakai is a legit-ass professional old media outlet that also covers way more things than just video games, like basically the Japanese version of the Wall Street Journal. Mm. So sources from them tend to be fairly reliable, but at the same time, it's also kind of hard to believe that they would stop selling this console about four years into its lifespan unless it's just not doing well at all and they have something else in the works like do they have something else in the works and that would give them reason to stop you know support on the wii u i guess the thing i have to correct myself in is no it's actually easy to believe this rumor but it's also sad and that's kind of why i don't want to believe it i don't know if this is true i think that the wii u might be looked back on in the same vein that the Dreamcast is, you know? <laughs> like like five or six years from now, we're going to get people who are hardcore, like, man, the Wii U's library is so great. Remember the Wii U? Remember the things that the Wii U did? And then I everyone's going to be like, yeah, we get it, Sonic Adventure them. 1. <laughs> so, I will be with them too, because I think the Wii U's great. Except in the future, you could just like port Sonic Adventure to other consoles and just play it on an emulator with any other console's controller just fine. But in the future, it's going to be hard as hell to play like the games that made the Wii U exciting because it has the right. weird-ass control scheme going through with it. Uh, you yeah. never know where emulation is going to go in the future either, though. It's hard to it's hard to tell. It might be perfectly, you know, emulated <laughs> in the future. Um, it's funny that I you agree with Jimmy that. on the I agree with Jimmy oh. on the Dreamcast thing. Well, it's it's funny that you should mention emulation maybe being perfect in the future because right now there is a demo <laughs> video out from a Wii U emulator called Simu. <laughs> 
playing Super Mario 3D World pretty damn well. Dang. I just want to cut in real quick and say, I hope that all of our listeners could hear how tickled George was that there was such a seamless, <laughs> that the segue just just natural segue developed that in just the wild. <laughs> Yeah, but that okay. was totally on purpose. I set you mm-hmm. up. I'm a okay. very clever person. If I remember right, Super Mario 3D World does not have much gamepad features, but it does have at least one, and that is occasional moments where you could uh, use the motion controls to look at the level in first person from the pad, but you could play through the whole thing entirely on a regular pro controller, and it would be just mm. fine. Which means that theoretically you could play through the whole game just fine on this emulator with the regular controller and and history would be preserved and nothing of value would be lost. However, <laughs> how are people in the future going to emulate Zombie U on the Wii U instead of the super lame version without all the cool Wii U gimmicks that they made out of it later? I, I feel like we're we're not that far off from getting someone to mod the controllers, right? I mean, if there's dudes out there who are modding 3DSs to work with capture software... Yeah, like I'm sure someone can just hardwire the Wii U's, like right transfer the sensor motions into numbers that go through the cable instead of wirelessly. Well, you don't, I don't need know. you, you don't still know. need hardware with like accelerometers and motion sensors and and the gyroscopes and accelerometers, which are the motion sensors. You would need to get a tablet connected to this thing. Or what I'm saying is, people would just mod the actual Wii U. Gamepad or the original hardware, but if they start but making the original good, yeah. hardware, and if the original hardware becomes four hundred dollar collectors' items, I have one. I have Hooray. one too. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, like fifty years in the future, the mm. emulators is is how a lot of software that we know today is going to be forced to live on, and it's actually a really legitimate problem that I guess people are uh, already experiencing when they try to go back to play like ColecoVision games that aren't exactly enthusiastically re-released by their same companies. <laughs> I mean, Nintendo has pretty much stated in the past that the way that they make their consoles and their games is usually it's it lines up with with how they want to discourage piracy of their stuff. Yeah, so that makes I mean, like, this news especially ironic and sad that the emulator is already in working stages for at least one game so far. You say already, but I mean, four years into the Wii U's life cycle. But it's a current-gen console. It's like supposed to be insanely complicated to emulate. There isn't yeah. even a real reliable way to play PS3 or 360 games on an emulator. In fact, I think PS3 emulator development is further along than 360, even though that's the one with the weird-ass cell architecture. You know, it's a pretty surefire way to play PS3 or Xbox 360 games. Just buy them on Steam. Yeah, they get re-released. Yeah. But what about... What about... Don't um, mention Halo. Don't mention Halo. No, no, I'm trying to think of an actual good game that never got re-released that just got totally lost <laughs> in history. I said don't mention time. Halo. Shadows of the Damned. <laughs> uh, Ico I got re-released. Um, anyways, uh, moving on. We got even more Nintendo news because the NX controller has supposedly been leaked. And confirmed not. Maybe I don't know that there was also no. Leaks. It was confirmed by, by who? Why? What? Tell me. Tell Let us. Let me scroll through my Twitter feed because it was very recently. Here it is. Uh, nope, that's just the person linking another image of it. Okay, linked NX controller confirmed fake by leaker himself. I will link you the article so you can. Oh, by the leaker himself. Yeah, well, can't really argue with that. Then can we? Yeah. Uh well, okay. 
Fuck. I wish I had seen this when I was putting together the docket. Because <laughs> let's oops. see. 421. This started after we started recording the podcast. So. So anyway. Anyways. Breaking news. Can't do that anymore. <laughs> breaking news. The Nintendo NX controller leak images from this month were all fake. Uh, yeah. According to this little. Um little text blob jimmy sent me uh seems like this also includes the ones from earlier in the month which were from a different source which is why i was inclined to give this story a little bit of salt anyways Mm. anyways it also falls into a patent nintendo made but i guess the idea of this mock-up was then to just recreate the pack the the patent in a authentic looking way huh yeah so apparently yeah, okay, the I'm watching now. I didn't I only looked at the thing. This guy So you guys remember when the guy leaked the uh when the guy leaked Rayman? Rayman and Smash. Yeah, mm-hmm. Artsy Omni. Um so he made a Art, Omni made a video that was like, no, the leak was fake, here's how I did it. This guy also did that, but it has to do with 3D modeling and positioning a fake controller that he made a 3D model of and like Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of work for doing something like that. These leaked images look really good as for someone who like put a fake model of a thing over real images to like and like placed it. This is okay. This is the story now. I almost would have thought it would be easier for him to 3D print something and like actually construct a prototype of his own. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Um, But God, his video is so trolly. Because uh, there's this oh, blurb gosh. in a Destructoid article about the leak where they were like, we ran the photo through Photoshop detection analysis programs and it came out clean. But apparently what? it was a 3D model photoshopped into an actual photograph. This yeah, is this is going to be a so problem the, for the future. You can't trust anything anymore. So it's funny because I, I follow Omni on Twitter, the guy who did the Rayman fake leak. And... He was he's been tweeting about it because he's been looking for reasons why it's fake. The original image, <laughs> he he took a picture of his own iPad that was tilted at the same degree. And he's like, this is a new iPad with like the really, really good screen that the that Apple's boasting about. And at this angle, even then, like there's there's what is it called? Moyer or more? Yeah, I know what you're talking Moyer, about. Yeah. Where like the, the does like the weird. You're wearing a pinstripe um, shirt and a camera shot. Yeah, and it, it looks does like the weird you're like, wearing patterns static. on the screen um, because of the angle, it's and there was none of that with it. the original image. Yeah, there was none of that in the original image, so he was like fake because the screen, like, there's no way a screen could be that good. Like mm. Nintendo's obviously not going to be making that. Then the guy released another, or then another image leaked, apparently by the same guy, which was much more convincing. And uh, Omni was like, he's like, I'm not sure, not sure if this is fake anymore. And then the guy released it, and Omni was like, I think I need to turn in my. My fake detector badge after we that. We have been made so. fools of. Damn. I'm okay with this, though. So, it's just a good lesson to learn. Yeah, from now on, never trust anybody. <laughs> wow, that's that's a great note. That's the takeaway, <laughs> everybody. You know what, guys? Just don't trust anyone. Just Speaking don't. Speaking of speculative reports about upcoming consoles that are in rumor stages at the moment. Oh, my God. Here we go. <sighs> Yeah, it's like, it's like I've learned nothing, because Eurogamer <laughs> has supposedly confirmed that Sony is making a PS4.0, or 4.5, sorry, ah. a um, kind of upgraded add-on console that's more or less the same stuff, but with different connectors and the ability to output some images in 4K. The 
of course, big question they're asking is why? Uh, Kotaku originally broke this story with rumors they heard floating around GDC. Eurogamer has since, quote-unquote, independently verified this rumor. Uh, they hmm. have a very, very long, very technical article about the current state of microprocessor technology development. And mm-hmm. one of the conclusions that they come to for why Sony would be making a quote-unquote PS4.5 or a PS4K that is a PlayStation 4 but only mildly improved instead of a whole new generation is the current limits in in shrinking nanoprocessors down into something that would be smaller and faster, which by necessity would mean consoles would have to move on to a refresh cycle, a process of gradual improvement as opposed to generational leaps in performance just like PC hardware in their words. Hmm. A potential Do you think place- your average oh. person is going to give a shit about all that, though? That's my question. Your average person that has a PS4, um, kind of like a couple of my family members, they, they have a PS4, but it's not necessarily for gaming. It's for watching movies, for doing... It's a multimedia thing. Yeah, it's a multimedia kind of device. Are people going to give a shit about like any of that uber techno, you know, techno battle? Uh, if they have a 4K TV and it's a version of the PS4 that could play 4K movies, maybe. Man, the, my the family Sims, doesn't even know what that is. <laughs> but, I mean, some people yeah. do. Back in 2005, some people had HD TVs, and so they bought consoles for that. The, the the sense actually that makes this make a whole lot of sense to me is them saying a potential PlayStation 4K could very well be a PS4 Slim. Re-releasing updated hmm. versions of consoles as smaller and occasionally more feature feature rich versions has happened before a lot in the past. Fairly reliably, you had especially with Sony. And uh, actually, they've done one for every PlayStation. Right, right. You had the, the PS one and the PS one, and then the PS two slim number one. The, and the PS3 Slim. The PS3's gone through a lot of versions. It, it started out with native backwards compatibility, and that was like a feature they regressed on in later versions of the consoles. <laughs> I love that. It's our new, better, thinner version that doesn't do the thing you want. And Great. the Xbox uh, 360 Slim version, oh, yeah. I think, had native HDMI cable jacks in the back. The console originally shipped without that, so adding, basically making a uh... PlayStation 4 Slim that had more jacks on the back for for the newer version of HDMI and the ability to output oh, yeah. 4K sounds a whole lot more reasonable and realistic than a quote-unquote PS4.5 with a whole mm. new lineup yeah. of games that would just be incompatible with the actually fairly successful run of the PlayStation 4. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I would need yeah. a lot more incentive, honestly, to buy another version of a PS4 um, to throw down more money for something like that. It would have to be like exponentially more (laughs) impressive. Mm. The, the uh, funny nail in the coffin of what sold so many slim versions of Xboxes and PS3s last gen was how bad the hardware failure rates were for the originals. Which fortunately is not a thing this time. Yay, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Also coupled with um, hard drive size. Oh in yeah, general. yeah. The original 360. God, what did it launch with a 64 gig, or maybe even less than that? Um, I think it was and, less than that, actually. Oh, you know what? It might have been 16. It might have been a 16 gig hard drive, because I remember there was like the special edition 64, and then the the Xbox 360 that I have currently that still works is um, the Modern Warfare 3 edition, which came with a 255 on it. Which was obviously like more space than I'd ever fucking need for a 360, unless I 
you know, bought my whole library digitally. Um, you know, so I don't know. Like as someone who doesn't own a PS4, I don't even know if I would buy the 4.5 if I can just get a PS4 for super cheap. Yeah, and they... I, I love my PS4. I don't really see any problems with it at this point that I would that I would need to get some kind of a uh, of an upgrade. Honestly, idea... it's. it's... Oh, no, go ahead. The the idea of them making it both smaller and more feature rich comes from a movement in the microprocessor industry right now. Uh, AMD is moving from a 28 nanometer standard of transistor to 14 nanometers. Whoa. That's, that's really like fucking half. small. <laughs> yeah, and that means that uh, supposedly they can just put out the same console that they can now, but smaller so just why not tack on some same stuff hit the same price point look i would buy the ps4.5 or ps4 slim or whatever if it was an identical shape to the ps4 currently a rhombus but but no i mean like if it was if it looked exactly the same <laughs> but was like a a 0.5 scale model although i'm just now really enjoying the fact that ps4 is a rhombuses Yes, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, like Photoshop Control T and then Shift and just drag until it's a smaller looking version of the same thing. Less than one pixel. Better processing power. How big That's is a, great a nanometer example. anyway? I'm looking this up. A nanometer is a unit of spatial measurement that is Very 10 small. to the negative ninth meter or one billionth of a meter. Holy shit. What the fuck? Yeah. The future is serious? so weird, you guys. Yeah. I don't think you Moments. can see it without a microscope. No, you can't see that even with like a good microscope. You need something even better. That scary ass ghost in the shell nanotechnology <laughs> is here and they're using it to make PS 4.5s. Uh, so okay Jimmy also you sent me a story right before we began about OGN casters not streaming mid-season league because they didn't like the pay right it's not necessarily didn't like the pay but they felt the pay is uh well it's sub-industry standard so I just I found this kind of right before we started the podcast and I do watch competitive league of legends every now and then it's a very fun spectator sport and even on the times when I'm not playing it such as this year I'm probably going to watch worlds and everything because it's, it's very it's very fun. It's a fun thing to watch. Uh, so one of the casters who's a regular on major events from Riot Games, who are the people who made League of Legends, um, his name is, or his uh, caster name is Monte Cristo. And uh, he put out a public statement today that they're him and two other casters, uh, DOA and Papa Smithy, uh, both also, you know, just as a, uh, popular casters that are often at Riot events um, are not going to be attending the mid-season Invitational or MSI, which is in China, I believe? Yeah, <laughs> Shanghai. It's in Shanghai. Um, because they, at the start of the year, he said that they were talking to other casters for other sports, and he cites uh, CSGO, Dota 2, StarCraft 2, Halo 5, and Hearthstone. Um, he talked to casters from those communities and asked, essentially, they set out with the idea to get a standard rate to see like what they were getting paid, what others were getting paid, and try and kind of make sure they're not getting stiffed. And lo and behold, they found out that they were kind of getting stiffed because 
Uh, I'll quote from the article. He says, we were surprised to discover from our peers that Riot's offer to us was approximately 40% to 70% of the rate received by talent for major events in all the other titles. Ouch. Um, yeah, they talked to Riot about it. Riot apparently uh, essentially was like, we'll give you a little bit more, but it was still too far below the standard. Uh, so these casters are pretty much saying we're not going to do it. Like we're, we, uh, he, he wrote it on medium and apparently medium has this feature where you can highlight a certain bit of your post to make sure people see that if nothing else. And the highlight that he did was, uh, furthermore, by agreeing to a significantly lower wage, we fear that we may contribute to the regression of standards for freelance casters in the industry as a whole. So they're essentially taking a stand against riots wages and saying we're not going to let you pay people this low so we're going to start by not taking the job from you if you're going to pay this low we're not going to like allow that to become normal damn so, do you yeah, think uh, they can get away with that in such a small industry the i would say if they were other people no but um monte cristo is a regular like that's a name when attached to league like i i know it very well when like he commentated at Worlds last year. Like he is a personality in the rotation of their casters. So I know Riot does have like in-house casters that they use that are actually Riot employees. But you know, this is like um, if you ever watch Super Smash Bros. Melee, uh, th these are like this guy. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say this big, but like maybe like the D1 or the Prog or Scar or Toph of the commentators. Which, like, if you say that those names to melee watchers, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, those are like the top commentators that we go for." The only but one those guys I know aren't. is Yipes, because <laughs> the, the Wombo Combo. Anyways, oh right, right. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if this is actually going to do anything. But I mean, as someone in my own version of a freelance, you know, job, it's this is something that I can relate to. Is like pay and not knowing what anybody else is getting paid and not knowing if your rates are the standard or below. Right. And that is hard. Especially for a company like Riot, who easily, easily has the money to, to pay them. Like if Riot said that we couldn't afford that price, I would laugh. I would actually just laugh because they're still one of the most popular games on the face of the planet right now, League of Legends. So I don't know. Like, do you I, think there would be people that would take that job for the lower rate anyway and then kind of making of a stand against it is kind of in vain because you'll always find someone i don't want to say desperate desperate's kind of a mean word but people are you know strapped for money so well, they will yeah. take lower payments strapped for money and also the problem with something like this is that the game being as big as it is uh, the mid-season invitational being as big of an event as it is you know casters who are want to be stars who want to be you know personalities and big names in the industry like they'll take the lower price yeah. because they'll yeah. get their their face on tv or whatever and, and, and how likely is it next year that the invitational will want to negotiate with these same people i i'm not sure that, that's why i think this is kind of risky for them the post is pretty scathing mm -hmm. um but it's not it does not seem like a a lashing out sort of thing this seems like a uh, this is the deal. This is why you're not seeing us at MSI this year. Um, and he even ends it with, we hope to work with Riot in the future if they want to like, you know, if they want to negotiate terms more to our liking. 
So I don't know. It's not really a falling out or any sort of attack, but I mean, I respect the guys for taking a stand on something that they that they feel is important, and I think it's important as well. Like, I mean, if you're going to be casting in front of 180 to 300,000 people, like League of Legends is it like rivals, if not surpasses, TV sports, like regular sports all the time. Like they should be getting paid. I don't know. No, I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. And that is really hard if you're doing like freelance work like that. I think anyone who Mm -hmm. does freelance will understand your sentiment perfectly. Right. Yeah. And it's fairly shamefully common how screwed freelancers regularly get in most any business today. Yeah, it is. It's sad from when it's like, I don't know. I don't want to call it like peer to peer, but like I take freelance jobs mostly from other YouTubers. And so I can understand when someone says like, I can't afford to pay you that much because I know the kind of money that YouTube yields. But when it's Riot, like they just got bought out for how much last year by that one huge Chinese company. If I recall correctly, mm-hmm. like they have money for fucking days. Like they they could afford this. It's just I don't know. It's sad. Wah 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 wah. Did we end on a hard note again? We Maybe did. two weeks in a row. Fuck. It's it's <laughs> fine though. I don't know. Like last week. Okay, roses. Last week we talked about the Jim Sterling digital homicide lawsuit, which I think is oh, hilarious. Uh- Jimmy. <laughs> It made Jimmy sad, though. Oh, I just, no. It makes me sad that there are people that stupid in the world. Yeah, there, I think it's hilarious some... that there are people that stupid in the world. Anyways. I think their actions are are comedic. They're almost goofy and comedic. But it's They're sad like because there are people characters. who actually feel like that, you know, who actually yeah. have these misguided kind of notions. It's just, I I love, I love shit. <laughs> I love laughing <laughs> at shitty things. And, and I love crying at at good things so yeah so that's, I, I don't that's know. my it's, problem with life it just leans too much <laughs> into the the heavy side for me because like when people who are shitty have a platform it's like great so that person is not only terrible but they're influencing other people to be terrible and i think digital homicide has a platform with that which is why it was making me upset but um is yeah. there anything happy happening in the news like anything uh, 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 well, I, if, uh, it, it wouldn't really be news unless it's like something worth getting distressed over. That's true. I mean, that's nobody like gives a, common, a shit about that happy is the things. The most depressing thing we've ever said on the podcast. Well, no, wow. let's like, oh, man. when you look at the the qualifications for a story being newsworthy, <laughs> like that, there are five of them, and none of them are basically things going as normal or things being better than usual. Like if things, if some amazingly good thing happens, sure, that's news. But if something is like worse and can be addressed in some way to become better, that's news. But if Mm -hmm. it's, you can't make a news story that's just like business continues as normal. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Yeah. I guess good news. The PS4 is selling shitloads of copies for some reason, which makes (laughs) this news about the PS4.5 being especially weird. Um, <laughs> always there to put a bad spin on it. <laughs> Fine, I'm just kidding. G- good I'm news. Just kidding. Uh, the the game trailers crew is reforming to start a Patreon funded channel. Oh wait, they got fired from game trailers. I guess. God damn it, George! <laughs> so cynical. Jeez, it's not cynicism. 
It's just the natural order. Of th- it's cause and it's, effect. It's just re- It's just realism. I get it. <laughs> this is why. This is why George doesn't have fun with video games anymore. Aww. I had lots of good news. I had lots of fun playing a video game this week. Salt and Sanctuary. If you like Castlevania, Metroid, or Dark Souls, check it out. That's true. He did say that. He said, he "Quote: I had the time of my life." True. So there you go. That's the, that's yeah, the no, happy that's note. And here here on this podcast, you can have the time of your life every week. Uh, <laughs> and also on our YouTube channels, which are Roses, what's your oh, YouTube? God, that was Pushing up Roses, segue. what's your All YouTube channel called? All these good segues we had oh my God, up until I'm now. I'm dying goofy. I, I, I am disappointed. Uh, no, you can find my channel at just youtube.com slash pushing up roses. You can find my Twitter there, my Facebook. We can talk about Harvester or Stardew Valley. <laughs> I'm all for it. Or if you want to argue with me about Firewatch, I'm all for that as well. And you have a Patreon as well. Yes? I do. I have a Patreon and I am pushing up roses on Patreon as well. Uh, please give me money. I'm very broke. <laughs> <laughs> so you're one of those lucky people who has the same URL across the board. I d- you know what? The only one I don't have is Twitter. Some- really? Somehow. <laughs> I have no idea how. Somehow somebody got pushing up roses <laughs> before me. So my actual handle is, is pushing up roses without the G. Aww. That's the only one I've ever not been able to get. And so I looked at the I looked at the, her account and she's like, this is from 2008. There's like one tweet from 2008. Yeah, I'm oh. looking at it right now. Yeah, and she's like, this is my account for my story, pushing up roses. I'm like, why the fuck would you make an account for a short story and not your author name? Whoa, hang on. Plot so twist. angry. Plot twist. Oh, no. That Twitter account is an artistic depiction of the short story. Uh. The story is about a person <laughs> who's going to write a short story and never does. It's genius. That's what she pushing up roses on Twitter, not pushing up roses. That's what she wanted all along. I actually do have people that know me accidentally following that account. (laughs) I'm like, guys, that's not me. Very obviously not me. There are nine followers. Do you know Morgan Lee, John Burns, Dwayne Sturgeon, D.A. Bailey, (laughs) Mohammed Tafuk, Mitch, Christopher Kinsey? I actually do. Really? Which one? Uh, Mohammed, I know, is Dean the Adequate on there too? Uh, he might don't have unfollowed. I think so. And the, wow, the it's actually it's kind weird. of hilarious that one of them is still there. Do you know what this says to me? That nobody pays attention to who I am. <laughs> if you went and followed that Twitter account, then maybe you don't know who I am. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's okay. Um, at Sunder on Twitter is taken. Uh, their account is private. So I can't see. Oh dang! Their, I can't see when they last tweeted. I can't tweet at them, and their icon is Bastion, like the, the kid <laughs> from Bastion. So they like they obviously there's something about video games, but I just want that handle really bad. I know, I know. You feel I tried to I tried to contact the person to try to see if she would relinquish it to me, and she, I, there's only one tweet. Something tells me yeah. you know she made the account. That was abandoned a long time ago. Oh yeah. That's she's never going to check it. Maybe if I get my Twitter army to all Twitter. No, it won't work. (laughs) What's weird is also on Instagram. I couldn't have my regular other tag, which is at SunderCR on Twitter and everything else. Um, I couldn't have that for a while because it kept saying this like this is taken. And I'd go to the Instagram.com slash SunderCR and it doesn't exist. So I was in this infinite loop of like just trying every week to see if I can switch my tag over. (laughs) That's it. Did you do it? it? 
yeah, finally got it for no fucking reason. It was just like, now you have this. And I was like, okay, good. Thanks. It's dedication uh, right do there. We, do we dedication. have any projects in the work we want to plug? Because we got to wrap up. I got, I got my right, dad's stream coming up. <laughs> That's true. You have a dad's stream right after this. Um, I am working on stuff, but I'm not going to say what it is or when it's coming out because then you'll be disappointed when it doesn't. So... <laughs> I thought you were just going to try to hype it up and How's not leave it on kind of a disappointing note. Be as, be as little hype as possible about this. <laughs> uh, Roses, any any cool projects you're looking forward to releasing? Oh, which might actually give you an opportunity to talk about that uh, Where Are They Now FMV actors. That sounds like a yes. great idea. That's been in the works for a while now. I've just haven't been able... I've been dumped on with all these other things coming up. Like Stardew Valley came up, did a video on that. Day of the Tentacle came out, did a video on that. Mm. Um, and I've been doing my Let's Plays as well. But very soon, I will be doing a Where Are They Now on FMV actors and actresses. And you guys already have incentive to watch it, just knowing that the lead actor of Harvester <laughs> is a sex offender. So, 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 so which is like, isn't that great? Oh, it's so great. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's a good thing. See, this is my thing. Great. I love laughing yeah. at shit. Look it's how tickled good. he is. I am mm. so tickled. I'm, I'm hey, being George, tickled right now. Hey, George, people are dying every day. Are you oh. tickled? <laughs> but no, there's not like <laughs> exactly. irony to that. I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to be doing my SNK replay next week where I go through a good 15 years of 23 SNK games in like 15 minutes. Oh, well, I, I don't know. I really hope it doesn't turn into a 40 minute thing like Sonic. I was actually going to do it this week, but Salt and Sanctuary was just so good. That I mm. wanted to devote feel that. a good like ten minute video. I changed all my plans so I could give Salt and Sanctuary that critical bump in the first two weeks because that game hasn't been getting a lot of publicity and it. I I feel like it could use it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, is that everyone? Yeah. <laughs> Matt, where where can we find your stuff? <laughs> oh, you can find it at YouTube.com/slash/the Bush. Fuck you, Matt. <laughs>